0: Hello listeners, it's Jack here, half of South London Hardcore Stephen Graham is back He's going to help us assemble another South London playlist We recorded this episode in December 2018 And we've got music from across the spectrum Uh, Fairport Convention, Mystique, AMM I think you'll enjoy it But just before that, let me tell you about my new web series Gloss It's a deadpan comedy starring Emilio Inucci and Adrian McLaughlin Who are both in The Death of Stalin in the pilot episode, Dennis accidentally volunteers at a charity shop uh, with, as they say, hilarious consequences. I wrote and directed Gloss, which you can see at glosswebseries.com and vimeo.com/slash glosswebseries, or just open the YouTube or Vimeo apps on your TV and you can watch it on there. I hope you enjoy it, but please let me know what you think. Listening to South London Hardcore, I'm your host, Jack McEnroy, and your other host, Steve Walsh. Hello. And our guest this week is the Head of Music, Steve, do you know this? Co-Head of Music. The oh. Co-Head of Music at Goldsmiths <laughs> University, the College the of the Goldsmiths. Um, when you started doing it, Stephen Graham. Thank from, you, hello. Glad to be here. When we first had you on, you were? I was a were, lecturer. I was going to say a mere student. <laughs> oh, actually, okay. well, when was
1: I first on? What year was that?
0: Yeah, let's make it more dramatic, you were? So it was a huge student, student,
2: student
1: until 2000. Are you claiming leverage
2: from South on Hardcore has got this man advancements in his career? He puts on the CV it's suddenly people like like, co-head of music, let's not get ahead of ourselves.
1: <laughs> My CV goes, co-head of music, frequent guests on South Hardcore. <laughs> so
0: should we dive straight in with our ninth playlist? Yeah. Is it nine? Yeah, playlist volume 1X. <laughs> right. I- I- have I done every single one of them? Apart from the first one, I'm not sure about I think from the second one, almost. Uh, that's
1: impressive. Yeah, it does.
0: Yeah. It's like a sort of treehouse of horror Yeah, of, uh, <laughs> tradition. That's a isn't.
2: substantial, just within the podcast, that's, good. So that's a substantial yeah. little uh, clump, isn't it? It's
0: nice. Big time. The next one will be the real uh, milestone, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and the, we're recording in Goldsmiths University. Can we say that, Stephen? hmm Yeah, we're in the music
2: department, essentially, so it's quite fitting. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Quite evocative. Yeah, exactly.
0: You can feel the history, yeah. Coming through the floorboards, yeah. can't you? Beautiful uh, photograph of the New Cross there. Right, track one. Gavin Bryars. Jesus blood never failed me.
1: Jesus blood never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. Jesus blood never failed me yet. This garden thing I know, only so. Jesus' blood never found me yet. Never found me
0: yet. Jesus blood. never found me
2: yet. This garden thing
0: from 1971 he's from Yorkshire and we'll get to the South London hardcore or the South London link shortly Stephen do you want to tell us who Gavin Bryars is though
1: sure Gavin Bryars is a composer musician improviser he's very well known amongst the kind of experimental music scene in Britain in the 60s, 70s, 80s, started out as an improviser in a trio with Derek Bailey and someone else. I can't remember. Um, the Joseph Holbrook Trio, they were called, after a very obscure English composer. No really I was going nice to say, work. could the third person be Joseph Holbrook? No. I could have cracked the case there. No. I so, feel like we
0: should say, now Stephen's not even got notes in front of him.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so he, he started out uh, improvising and then he quickly became disillusioned. He felt that there was something kind of corrupted in the whole idea of just making music spontaneously. He thought there was something arrogant about it. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that, we'll get to that. (laughs) Um, So he kind of changed tack and started becoming a kind of a post-Cage composer, so very much inspired by John Cage, doing a lot of very kind of uh, diverse range of things, from Jesus' Blood Never Failed Me, which obviously we're going to get to in a moment, to all sorts of other things like... um, you know, finely, delicately composed chamber pieces, um, more kind of rock, tangentially rock things, lots of variety of different things. So interesting person, uh, I think went from radical to conservative, and that kind of movement is something which is not especially pleasing to me. But where does this fall in the? This in is, this arc? Is one of the. F- well, I would say this is an interesting but derivative piece, which is already derivative in itself, I'll talk about in a sec, um, and then within his output, uh, becomes very pivotal to his work, and is probably his most famous piece, um, but then in itself becomes very... Um, der- derived. So his
2: influence but then it becomes influential. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So
1: in terms of conservative radical thing, I think this is very much moving towards the conservative... Uh, conservative path but it's still got some interesting things in it i think
2: well it sounds like even that sort of personal craving decision to move from free form experimental stuff into more structured mm-hmm. experimental stuff sort of mirrors what you're talking about in terms of his entire not entire personality changing but uh, you know his personal mm. decisions in a lot of areas which yeah, is quite absolutely. yeah
1: yeah so this piece uh basically to people who are on the scene, experimental music scene, and into that kind of area of music. Um, this feels, I think, I think it's fair to say, like a bit of a retread of some Steve Reich pieces from the sixties. So it's gonna rain and come out. So it's gonna rain with bass oh, yeah. and sample. Exactly. Similarly, kind of. I, know, no, no. I feel do, like I do now. It's though. the
0: same sort of thing in it where you've taken this someone's voice and, and just looped. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah and, and not
1: just that, but also there's the kind of there's the slightly unsavory thing of taking a a homeless person yeah, or a street creature. and then, I'm kind of yeah. using it and appropriating it for mm-hmm. a very high, high art, quote marks, um, kind of world. So, yeah, it just it feels very much a retread of, of It's Gonna Rain. Now, the atmosphere and kind of feeling of it is quite different because this is much more polished and beautiful and poised in a sound world. You know, even though the, the actual shape and the arc of the thing that he sampled is a bit unwieldy and, and odd, the actual way he scores it and... And kind of sets it up within a, an orchestral context becomes very kind of soupy and soft, and um, so the feel of it is very different to its going of rain. But the actual process at the time is very similar. Mm.
0: And you know, we're sitting in the music department of Goldsmiths, as we said, and this kind of track kind of came together in the music department uh, in the art department at is it Leicester University? Mm-hmm. Did so you said, read yeah. about it? Yeah, you? yeah. It For seems sure. like the sort of thing that you would
2: come to, <laughs> to. Well, the interesting thing. From my point of view, was obviously the origin of the piece is him doing music for a documentary that he's been made. That's the, the sort of origin point, and they stumble across, as you say, this guy on the street who I don't think he's asking people to sing. They're just spontaneously, you know, it's the thing you do when, when people are on the street you get a certain kind of people that see a camera or a microphone and want to sort of. And I suppose if you are, I say, disenfranchised in that way and dislocated from society, just having a connection with someone uh, is very important. But the the thing that fascinated me immediately was. The idea of this documentary and I, I don't, i'm sure yourself you did various searches and googles i couldn't okay. find any trace of it whatsoever like it seems like that worm were more ephemeral at the time the nature of how it was recorded and stored mm.
0: yeah i think the other, so it was a, a guy called alan power mm. was making this documentary in 1971 uh, about people living rough around elephant castle and waterloo which is the link that brings us to yeah the which and, and they filmed this guy singing uh, jesus blood never failed me
1: jesus blood You've never cockneyed it up a bit there. Me. It's yeah. a bit softer than that not it? Failed. It's like a sort of cockney angel. I'm doing the the time where it's Yeah, been, so. oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Me, you've jumped yeah. ahead, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> um, but
0: it was never that I until that bit was never used was never used anyway. It yeah. was like a he an outtake it a, anyway, a, yeah. Take, yeah.
2: But again, just from reading about it, like that particular lyric and phrasing it's not not a traditional song or anything. The guy just like improvised it. I don't know if that's
1: I've always thought that it was a hymn of some kind, it's but that, 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 he, that he somehow was just kind of improvising on top of it. I no, don't, yeah, I don't well,
0: you, the thing is, you only get one line, don't you? Yeah. And you kind of almost fold into. Not fold, I mean, it, it becomes a new piece of music, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know, if you sort of. It's like when you hear, like, something on The Beastie Boys, and you hear, like, a line from something, and then when you hear the original song, you almost. Sometimes you can't hear it when. The, you're like, how does. Like, the melody's yeah. different or yeah. whatever, and it just doesn't sound right. I don't wonder if it's like that, like, it's only one line. It was, you know, in the middle of a verse somewhere, in some some old hymn. And like,
2: I don't know, 80% of traditional hymns would mention Jesus' blood. Like, yeah. It's a big, big part it, of generally, it. Generally,
0: people's viewers it say, it's never failed them. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been the other way around. But that <laughs> phrase is amazing. It is. Yeah, it really <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: Jesus' blood it, never failed me. Yeah.
0: You
2: know, I'm, I'm uh, a, obviously a massively lapsed Christian, but there's, like, when I do end up going to church for, like, family events or I anything, mean, when you listen to lyrics and hymns, you're like, oh, they, could, they could put some phraseology together. They mm. you know, really had a way with... So it was like, you know... Uh, as I say, I'm not a Christian, but you have to admire the, you know, how the King James Bible was put together and the phrases that we've extracted from that into mm. common life. And similarly with this, that's an evocative phrase.
0: And I mean, it, it, it's really evocative of this guy, isn't it? You yeah, know, absolutely. Like, yeah. Who's, and the whole time, really, a whole well, era that's gone away. Got
2: the sort of, it is, it's, there is something quite sort of beautiful about it and tragic in that the guy who is singing this. Um, you know, he's talking about faith and being saved and, like, he's living a terrible life. The idea of him sort of saying, I have never been failed, mm. when it feels like, or it seems like, society and the world has entirely failed him because he ended up in this
1: situation. That's faith, though. It, absolutely, fail, yeah, will absolutely. Never, it will never fail you. Yeah. It's just like, this is, for faith, for
2: faith. this is how I'm being tested now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So, uh, Steve, you wanted to talk about the various lengths of the... Uh, yeah, one, one of the things
2: that really sort of uh, I found interesting um, was you can sort of almost chart the development of music technology through the different versions. Like, he basically, every chance he gets, he sort of expands it a little more. So it's it's uh, an LP originally, ironically. A long player is the shortest version. I mean, this is... <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's 25 minutes long. But then as... Uh, cassettes become commercially viable. Suddenly we're up to 60 minutes and then CDs come along. Yeah. It's how much information can I put on this one yeah. unit? And yeah, like... a
0: clean 74-minute version. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, sort of fascinating. Uh, and I think sort of speaks to him, uh, as you say, as an experimenter as well, isn't it? It's this thing of like, constantly revisiting and sort of exploring and expanding mm. based on the, the scope
1: of it. But that iterative thing of a piece a piece kind of getting longer and longer and longer and longer. Um, it's interesting in itself, the fact that, or the idea that a piece is never finished. It's always just this stream which is flowing and you can dip back in and whatever. But the, I don't know, the 25-minute version versus the 74-minute version. Have you listened through to those different I'd versions? rather listen
0: to the 25-minute version three times.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I just... I mean for the purpose of the show, you need the guy in it, don't you? Yeah. And yeah. even though Tom Waits is a great fit, isn't he? Yeah. Like yeah. it really works well, but
1: Mr. Parker. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I
0: can't I think I did listen to the seventy four minute version not for the show. I mean a few years ago when I first came Just across it. it off. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> but it's interesting again, like it's uh, again, like not the normal way these things happen in terms of commerciality mm. generally your, you know, the traditional thing was you'd get any song down to a radio edit. Like, you wouldn't think of anything commercial. It would be sort of 25 minutes long. It tends to be the sort of uh, musical act as our experiment. Where it was like, oh, what's gonna, it's 33 minutes. There's nothing, there's nothing we can lose from this. Whereas, as I commercially, in terms of charts, traditionally, you'd sort of go, it's going to fit on a uh, 45
1: but this, this ironically, I suppose, is a commercial move because this is his most famous piece. Mm. It's commercially only so, really viable it, piece. Yeah. Milk so, Well, that's the thing, that's what I was going <laughs> to yeah. get at. It's like, keep iterating the same yeah. piece longer and longer and longer. I'm not sure there's a musical uh, return on the longer piece than there is the 25. Mm. So, so
0: It's almost Jesus' blood never failed me yet, never failed me yet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
2: There's also a thing of, like, <laughs> there's, you know, I'm sure we all live through it in one way or another where you did, you tended to reformat your music collection as the technology advanced. Mm. We'd, we'd sort of like buy records on, you know. I, I Threw
0: I, all those away. Got me <laughs> yeah. got I threw discs. like 600 CDs at one yeah. point. Got all many Yeah, mini-lists. this is it. Yeah. 600 million discs just chuck them in a skip. Well, I, just, I went
2: man on cassettes because I had a walkman so I could listen to the music anyway. That was the, the beautiful thing about it. But as you say now, I own like, you know, 95% of my music as digital files. now Low Let's quality streaming, I'm happy <laughs> with that. Yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> access, that's what I'm all about. Should we move on to the next track? I think so. Track
0: two is Faithless We Come One.
2: All the subtle flavors of my life are become bitter seeds and poisoned leaves without you. You represent what's true. I drain the color from the sky and turn blue without you. These arms lack a purpose. Flapping like a hummingbird. I'm nervous cause I'm the left eye. You're the right. Would it not be madness to fight? We
0: come one. Two thousand and one, their first single off their third record, Outrospective
2: I've never heard this song before or heard of it, even though it is mm. alongside *Insomnia* or *Insomniac*. What's it called? *Insomnia*. *Insomniac*. Insomnia. Right. It's, it's they're the joint is the most yeah. sort of commercially successful.
1: Yeah. No. This was this this and so *Insomnia* happens. 96, 97? And that's huge, isn't it? Like huge. That's everywhere. So when I was going to raves That's that not like point, match of the day and stuff. Oh, it? everywhere. <laughs> it is, it's the sort of...
2: Actually, you know, somebody's got deep penetration Completely. when like, turning up on like stings on the BBC. Oh, it was, it
1: was so parodiable and, yeah, yeah, it was everywhere. But I got the raves and but 96, I would have been 14. So not like rave raves where I was worry, on but. drugs and stuff, but just raves, like friendly, like discos yeah. or whatever. This, like, Fatal Insomnia was just everything right. to young Irish people. But that and Maniac and right. Born Slippy. Yeah. It's all about it. Yeah, I wasn't the mad in but... it.
2: You're just waiting for the drop. Well, Born Slippy,
1: oh, yeah. my God. A... <laughs> 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 they finished it, I was at a wedding in September, and they finished with the full, like, 11-minute version of that. And we were just having flashbacks. To it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so Fatal Insomnia, I kind of tolerated it. Like, it was a pillar of my youth, but I never was that into it. And then they kind of disappeared a little bit for a year or two and then they came back with this. It felt at the time very, like, second-hand insomnia. But listening back to it, it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting track.
2: Well, the thing, like, I, I've never really engaged with music, as I, I heard, you know, because it was everywhere. But I've just never stumbled across that. And because I, I guess I never looked for, like, new faithless music or listened out for it, just passed me by completely. Um, and even now, I think, because I don't have that connection to it, didn't do anything, not didn't do anything with music, but... It's not something that I would sort of go, oh, mm. better get the album, yeah, I'll need to have this all the time. But the video is... Oh, yeah, interesting. Wow, remarkable. I thought it was tremendous, yeah. So it justified the whole uh, thing. Well, well done.
1: <laughs> so you weren't into the... Were you into the track? No,
0: I, I'd i never listened to them, despite mm. them being yeah. like, quite a big... Yeah. You sort of see their name knocking about. This, that was, that was, well, they were just every have festival for ten years, is not right? it? Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. time you saw a festival Heavy line-up,
2: Faithless were... Mm. And at the top, you know, pretty... Is it
0: all like... Spoken word type. Well, yeah, no, there spoken is... Spoken th- word's probably the wrong way to put it, but... No, 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 I think you're right. There is
1: this weird mix of kind of, if you like, sonic hardness to it. Because actually, mm-hmm. this, it's quite tough, this track. You mm-hmm. know the bit where you think there's going to be the big uh, high, high-pitched synthesizer drop? Actually, it just comes in... Yeah. boom. It's quite tough. So there's that, but then there's this kind of quasi-new-age spoken word thing, hippie-ish kind of vacant kind of uh, poetry uh from your man maxi jazz or whatever his name is that runs through a lot of their music that's my impression anyway that part of it i just detested at the time and at this point in my life i just think i think i detest even more <laughs> it's just nothing really to it it's like it's this quasi like zen you can't um, sing along at a festival can you no it's <laughs> like it's <laughs> this <laughs> false <laughs> mumble along at <laughs> a festival <laughs> but it's like this, this like false cod utopian kind of we're all together we're all doing this we're all alive we come feel one. it yeah. yeah it's just very <laughs> pin and, and well, tenuous they are,
2: from what I read about when they're hippies aren't they yeah. so want, you know, not being you know, by all means
1: very Ve- it's very hippie but it's very 90s hippie it's very like it's almost got that like Baz Luhrmann uh, sunscreen kind of feel to it but it's just a bit harder <laughs> edged
2: it's a hippie thing where he's obviously made millions off of these songs and spent it on an expensive car collection
1: <laughs> like any <Yeah. the> good <laughs> Buddhist wood yeah <laughs> and he's still empty and he's trying to speak to that Right, right. There's, yeah, some, yeah. there's some contradiction at the core of it yeah. But musically they, they um they, they seem to always do this thing, certainly in tracks like Insomnia and this one. It's kind of monumentalized where it's just this big block and it's has gone whoa and it stops and then something else happens. It doesn't really connect to it but it just kinda of continues it. And then something else happens, but it's not like the same thing but just a different version of it. So it's always like boom boom boom, then boom boom boom, boom boom, boom boom. So you're always just in this big kind of monument that never kind of shifts. And then the big kind of riff comes in. So in this one it's all I have is the insomnia one in my head. Like, do, 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 do. What's the one on this one? Steve. Uh, yeah. Whatever. It's Actually, all, it didn't it's, stick with me. That was my yeah. on it. I'll drop it in, Stephen. I think the problem, I think what I'm trying to get at is that in their music, there's never, it's always static. And that goes for a lot of dance music, but a lot of dance music skits by on kind of surface energy. Whereas this just feels very uh, laborious and like weighed down. It's almost like in amber. It's just very slow. And then you think it's going to change and it just comes back. So there is a, like there is a an allure to that. Like, there's a there's a interest to it. What's the best kind of drugs to appreciate that? Oh, like I'd imagine some kind of downer or something. Oh, I'm approaching. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I You want to say what the
2: on the link is, Steve? So Maxi Priest is from Brixton. Maxi Priest, not Maxi. No. <laughs> <laughs> Max- uh, 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 yeah. It's Maxi Priest from Brixton as well. Um, <laughs> Maxi Jazz is from uh, Brixton. Is he the only South London member? Or do they meet
1: locally? Because I think I've got...
0: It sounds like none of us were interested enough to find that's out. Sister, uh, no, I knew
1: he was, but I don't know, Sister Bliss and her brother. Right. I, I think they might be from Bristol or something. That's it. I think they're other yeah. people from around other parts of the country. I mean, as you say,
2: because I didn't really engage with it, yeah. I was like, uh, you know, Maxi Jazz, Brixton, there's a South London connection, let's listen to the track. Um, and, and then I did sort of have a cursory look over it, sort mm. of band history and again it's I
1: don't know there's nothing really no. exciting I, I, always like them, I always liked them though I always thought I liked them I don't people. dislike I them like but I like their energy say, but yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised the, I thought we'd all be coming here going oh yeah Fateless yeah <laughs> I mean they were
0: sort of they were, when we were making the list for the, the track list they were sort of a big name that we'd never got to. It's mm. yeah. always been in my notes. Yeah. So. I think
2: we've had it pinched in for like the last three playlists. There's always mm. like the chance to do a favourite yeah. track. But I say I think that speaks to the fact that neither of us are particular fans. Like it wasn't a case of you know there's certain things that you find you're like know, we've got to play this because mm. I'm really excited by it or I didn't realise there was this connection to South London. Whereas this you're like yeah I mean that's mm. but yeah, yeah
0: track three is Fairport Convention. Who knows where the time goes. Across the evening sky All the birds are leaving But how can they know It's time for them to go the singer and writer is uh, Sandy Denny. Um, is from the 1969 Fairport Convention album "On Half So she wrote it, did it herself, and then did it with the Straubs and then with Fairport Convention, and then herself again. We, we visited her grave um, in episode 144, Putney episode. Uh, quite an impressive graveyard, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Putney, yeah. Uh, it's Putney Vale Cemetery. It's what it's called. It's got loads, loads of people in there. There's the guy who created Design Discs. Uh, the guy who discovered two Carmen's tomb. It's really good. A strong it's really of some kind. Like yeah, the, yeah, like the kind of incredible. original guy. Yeah, the original. Samson. Of the um, <laughs> but it was quite, you know, she had quite a tragic death, didn't she? Very young, and it was quite uh, sobering, I thought, going to a group. Um, and this is a sort of song where all those feelings come up, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Do you like the Fairport Convention's Stephen?
1: Yeah, I mean, the only... Album there is I ever really got into was Legion Leaf, the one that everyone knows. But I really did get into that at one point and then kind of forgot and never really listened to anything else. But yeah, mm. yeah, I like them.
0: This is a good record. It's got um, three Dylan covers on it. And <laughs> if you've the bonus, the two bonus tracks, which are also two, two more Dylan covers. So that's good. One of them is uh, right. yeah. If You Got A Go, Go Now in French. And what else is there? Million Dollar Bash and Percy's Song. And on the bonus track, it's, um, one of them's the Easy Rider song that, you know, Dylan mm-hmm. sort of contributed to. I forget what the fourth one, the fifth one is. And on the album cover, actually, do you know the album, Steve? I'm half-bricking.
2: No, I've, well, uh, have sure you seen I, the cover? No, I don't so know. The, it was amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. It it? she,
0: you know, it came from this sort of word know. game. Is it called Ghost. We well, sort of go around the, in a circle and sort of start saying bits of a word and the word comes out of it. I guess they were bored oh. on tour or whatever. <laughs> it was uh, her word apparently, Sandy Denny. So the cover is Sandy Denny's parents outside their house in Wimbledon. This is uh, just like kind of uh, in the front garden. And the band are in the front garden. Mm. But by the time the album came out, there'd been a car crash. And the, dr- the bassist, uh, sorry, I think the drummer, is it the drummer who died? Yeah, the drummer died, so he's in the album cover, and by the time it came out, he's dead. The bassist is wearing the outfit he was wearing in the car crash. So it was all just like, I was in an interview with him, I think, where Sanders was just sort of can't even look at it. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I think it's a cracking track, man.
2: Oh, it's incredible. I mean, as I say, I'd heard of Sandy San Diego Fairport Convention before and I remember going to the uh, cemetery, I don't think I'd listened to anything uh, actively at that point, so I think you were much more sort of impressed, much more upon you than me. Mm. But sort of reading for this, you Know uh, if this is the only song she's she did, that's an incredible legacy because it is sort of immortal and you know, massively covered, massively reflected. But just reading about her in terms of Fairport Convention, um, she's like, it's like a hugely important figure, isn't it, in, in English folk music, sort of you know, melding together traditional ideas. They're, they're sort of like you know, it's like Dylan goes electric, they sort of bring this modern sound to traditional English. Folk music and sort of bring it into the, the 20th century.
1: Do you think this is English folk music?
2: Not th- this is above saying in terms mm. of a larger legacy. Mm. Um, as, as I say, this song would be enough, but I've actually also, also reinvigorate English folk music uh, on a commercial basis. But uh, no, this is it's just it's, it's a poignant ballad, isn't it? Mm. But like incredibly uh, poignant and really interesting um, listening to the Straubs version, which is essentially just her. Um, and then listening to the Fairport Convention one, where you have um, who's the guitarist, Richard Thompson. Yeah, and like they're both wonderful. That's the thing about it. It's one of those um, sort of magical songs where I've not listened to all the covers, obviously, but you can see there's so much scope for phrasing and interpretation and different. Yeah, of, the Nina Simone version
0: is really good. Right, got it? it's yeah. quite a really long intro. in mm. the Classic uh, Nina Simone style.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I um I was listening to this thinking about, I'm always interested in what folkiness consists in, because you get a lot of music described as folk or folk rock, and I always think, hmm, is it, or is it just someone with a little bit of an accent or something? So I listened <laughs> to this thinking about that question, and there are folk elements, like the way that the, it just stays in the same chord for ages and ages in the verses. and um, But the the folkiness of this, I think, comes mainly in her voice and the phrasing and the kind of beat-rooty kind of church hall kind of feel. It's well, very I like I think
2: as well the sort of n- allusions yeah. to nature is something I always mm-hmm. personally think of in terms yeah. of like traditional folk music.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the words and the delivery, like just heard her voice is so clear and kind of bell-like and kind of pure. Um, and that alone has a kind of a, a whole history of kind of British folkiness tied up in it. Um, and that would come obviously become more obvious in Legion Leaf. Where like the words are much more directly like inflected, like "Come All Ye" is the first song right. that feels much more like nineteenth century, even further back, Britain, British, like you know, some kind of leveller movement or something, yeah. and they're all kind of gathering to do a peasants' revolt or something like they're that. They're wearing jerkings. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a be- it's a beautiful track. It's really, really beautiful.
2: And getting back to her legacy again, again, just reading about her, um, she's like. Uh, she does vocals alongside Robert Plant on The Battle of Forevermore on Led mm. Zeppelin 4. Mm. And like, again, even if you just did that on, like Led Zeppelin 4 is like one of it's one of those albums that people always like, this is one of the greatest of all time. It's, Seminole. Yeah. <laughs> one might say. <laughs> but yeah, a, a, a remarkable legacy. And as i say, you know, um, she's dead at 31, but what an amount of work, and important work and lasting work that she managed to get mm-hmm. into those years.
0: Track four is 808 Inc. Blessed Up. You only mad
2: your pennies covered in dust. Yeah. Black skin aren't tan too tough. Yeah. But man, I show you what yin yang does. Yeah. It's so mad I make it move and cut, man, I pre drop bluff. This ain't regular stuff. Yeah. To be honest, I might break that clutch. Blood on move too much. Baby gas
0: my trunk. Huh, huh, come on, boss it up. Money go around like the wheels on a bus. Big, clean, i don't see no dust. Huh so this track is from this year yeah uh, it's very
2: recent i think it might be the last couple of months even yeah i, I basically this was like almost uh like cheating in terms of source and track because i think i googled South London Musical Act 2018. And this was near the top. And I listened to a few of their tracks. And generally they're all very good, well put together. But this was the one I really uh, enjoyed uh, the most. They're a fascinating act as well, just just sort of reading about them. Um, The two main members are the vocalist, who's called Mumbles Black Ink, and the producer, who's called 808 Charm, all one word. Um, and the guy, they have one guy who does all their music videos, and he's called Pure Anubis. But instead of an S on the end of Anubis, it's a dollar sign. But I'm still going to say Anubis because I don't know how to pronounce dollar sign <laughs> as a separate word. And they basically are from Deptford, and I think film all their videos. I don't know about the video, for, I don't know if you saw the video for this one. Um, but yeah, it's what I like about them as well. There's something, they sound very sort of fresh, particularly in the sort of contemporary hip-hop scene. I think, particularly the London scene at uh, the moment seems very dominated by grime and drill stuff. And this stuff seems sort of like deliberately, re- I'm going to say retro, I'm talking sort of 90s, very sort of languid, very sort of smooth. And the video as well, like there's a lot of cliches, that was the thing about this track, even like, you know, it opens with a racial slur, there's police sirens very early. The video is um, a Bentley, I think, or some sort of high-end performance car, very expensive car, with a woman draped across it, and then basically just sort of like strutting around, wearing, you know, uh, quite a sort of preppy clothes. But bit. One bit where the guy's got a gold chain around, and I, I really thought, I had to like pause it and try and see, I thought he had, um, it's, I think it's someone's name, I thought it was a gold chain. With the word kebab in gold on it, but it's not. You do if you pause it around forty-five <laughs> seconds, you can kind of see. It. I was like, not kebab, but I was like, that would have pushed it into sort of almost parody territory. But I think, yeah, I um, I love it. I think it does sort of elevate itself beyond those cliches. Just with, um, you know, there's a lot of talk in there about money and power. It, you know, it's braggadocio, but just that particular phrasing of "I am blessed up" mm. is it's such a fresh sort of and really interesting uh, vibrant things. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it, but I'd be interesting to find out. Because obviously it's my choice, and I've, that's the, the, the interesting thing, is we sort of force things upon one another, don't we? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you did, <jump. laughs> um, Cut that.
1: <laughs> I'd never heard of 808 Inc. Um, when I saw the name initially, I was thinking, 808 State, what's going on there? And then I watched the video, and I was thinking, quite interesting. Uh, you know, the music, yeah, I can get into this. Uh, it's all built on that sample from "Lady, Hear Me Tonight." It kind of slows it down a little bit, kind of trapifies it, so it's got kind of a harder edge to it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So I started reading a bit about them online, and that's when I got really hooked because yeah. uh, they're really interesting guys. Like they have this whole concept. You've Probably read about it, reality. Yeah. So there's they, a mythology behind. Yeah, there's a the there? mythology that's, which I'm just yeah, hook, line and sinker exactly once I, once I read exactly something of like that, yeah. and particularly when it's when it's kind of inflected by like sci-fi yeah. and, and like, weirdness, as this is. And uh, I was fetching a magazine there because what this really reminded me of was an American, similar kind of slightly underground hip-hop collective. They're called Waist Deep Clique, And they're also about, um, so there's an article here in front of me, and it describes them as a group of digital natives scattered across the US who in in a few years have already amassed a large number of albums, blah, 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 all informed by a homespun syncretic futurism that would make William Gibson proud waist-deep clicks smash all visions of the future into a gritty, low-deaf mesthetic. Their raw interpretations of trap, drum and bass, techno and noise about grainy images of bacteria on microchips and Tetsuo-like congress between flesh and technology. So 808 Inc. aren't quite doing that, but they are conjuring different worlds uh, through their work. I listened to a couple other things. And yeah, sonically it's not massively engaging, but like once you put that together with the, the world creation and the words and the the particularly British kind of You know the thing we talked about—the tiny temper back in the day—just that thing, that great thing you get in British hip hop and garage and grime and stuff, where you get these just odd little phrases that are so British, so low, homespun, so yeah. local. Not even British; it's London. Not even London. yeah, exactly it's right. Not even yeah. definitely it's your mates. Yeah, yeah, You
2: put it into a song, and suddenly. It's so well phrased; it becomes as universal. Exactly. That's what you do
1: it. when you when you make something particular; it becomes universal. Absolutely. When you specify something, so that, I really got a lot from the world around these that these kind of artists, without necessarily thinking that much about the specific track. But yeah, yeah. They um one of their things is they never call it Lon- London or,
2: or spell it out L O N D O N. It's London L U N D U N because it's like they see the world around them as. As you say, mess and, mm. and chaos, and a sort of plucking
1: meaning out of that. It's like the Channing Mievo book, what, London on I'm London on London. Yeah. yeah.
2: So yeah, it's not, you know, um, I, I I do enjoy the track, and I think they're both like you know very good uh, producers and vocalists. But as I say, there's this extra layer of you know one of my favourite acts ever is the Wu Tang Clan because yeah, you know, exactly. As much as they are uh, you know rappers from Staten Island they're also kind of reincarnated yeah. uh, Cheryl and Masters yeah exactly martial arts martial arts <laughs> warriors but also then they're sort of 1970s Italian gangsters this is the, they're constantly just playing with personas and yeah. masks and, and names and it's you know it's art is myth fun. and yes. when you can do
1: when you can actually face that fact and just dive into the unconscious that's when things become but rich. it's also
2: play I mean you know play exactly. my, my least favourite thing in any form of art is just like you know turgid conformity you know you know why is this better than the Stereophonics? The yeah. Stereophonics just want to be a band playing guitars, and singing about being in a band and playing. Guitar. And maybe like your heart's been broken by a girl, like you know. You have got the as Stereophonics well. on the last playlist, dude. did I? Yeah, I must really dislike. And you me, were picking up
0: Tiny Tempo. You guys need to switch it up.
2: <laughs> I've got to say notes from there.
0: Uh... <laughs> Track five. It's shocking, we didn't do this on sort of volume one or two or three through eight. Uh, The Only Ones, Another Girl, Another Planet. summer of 1978, Peter Perrett, the lead vocalist and guitarist who wrote the song, right? Yep, It's from South London.
2: Canberra. Wow. From Canberra. Just and song. you say, like, oh, this could have been, well, I didn't know that Peter Perrett from Canberra until doing research for the scene. And I was like, when I, when I did realise, I was like, well, we've got to talk about this. Because it's like, you know, it's a classic track from that period, isn't it? Like, the that of that is how the, the connection is...
0: Yeah. Um, it's undeniable isn't it it's one of those things you just put on and just get swept up in it three minute pops song. It's, it's like mm-hmm. that classic for, you know
2: within all the sort of you know punk
1: framework and, and
0: 3.01 on. isn't it yeah three minutes and one second who
1: was that was it Baby Shambles that did the cover of this of course of course for the it was. Of course it was. <laughs> what <laughs> happened to Baby Shambles Pete Doherty came into my head sorry this is a time yeah. but just a few weeks ago I saw a hotel open, about- like, what? they're running a hotel in Brighton or somewhere Oh my god. Oh my God. Yeah,
2: they've got a guest house somewhere and I think it's sort of like, you know, we were talking... He's uh, still that alive. That That's quite... That's what yeah, he's no, my alive. Pete Tardy. Where is
1: he? And he is still alive.
2: And It's interesting. You know, we were talking earlier about eight uh, eight and the mythology, and a band that did something like his baby shambles, and mm-hmm. I have like no interest in them. What
1: yeah, but them. That, yeah, exactly. You can't just mythologize. You have to yeah. mythologise with some heart or something. That, that whole Albion thing with baby shambles, I yeah. just thought that was so unconvincing. It just felt like a, a corpse on strings being yeah. dragged around the stage. You know? I, mean, yeah. I I've
0: got to say, I mean, I've seen them live, and it was You're a bit no. And Japanese. also, there's was a bit like that—a corpse on strings. Dread, well, maybe the worst show I've ever been to. Really? Well, maybe what post- year was your post- tea. Um, it was uh, it wasn't, when was it so I went to a Libertine show that was really bad um, uh, probably the second record was out mm. and the Baby Shambles was like uh, I don't know Just probably just before the first record well, it was, it was, so he know. was abusing things at that point uh, he smashed the microphone uh, When well, you mean like substances yeah I think from day one I think, one, I yeah, think prior yeah. to day one yeah um, but no I, mean, I really like like I love some of their stuff.
2: Yeah, um, I was reading about uh, Pete Perrett, and they were saying obviously before he's in the only ones, in other bands. Um, I think he just recorded some demos, uh, and this sort of tape was doing the rounds. Well, and uh, one DJ heard it and thought it was like uh, unreleased Velvet Underground stuff. He's got that sort of Lou Reed right. uh, scratch to the voice, I guess, which is quite interesting.
0: I'm mm. um, I generally don't get a lot of punk, straight punk. Yeah. Yeah. Straight that might probably one way to put it, but you know, I don't think this I don't think the sex pistols are good at all. Like at that at that record that I don't think people really listen to it anymore, do they? Never mind the bollocks. It used to be the sort of thing like the top ten albums of all time, and you know, be right up
1: there. Mm. But you know, apart I'm from excuse- music
0: journalists from that age, I mean, my mates are all Beatles The that.
1: myth of punk is still very powerful, like yeah. the story, the narrative of like smashing yeah. establishments And also, I think when so, you have a story attached to something like tracks like Pretty yeah, vacant true. Holidays and stuff I don't think people mm. like, like they? The
2: Queen. Yeah, I think people. Uh, yeah, I think oh, they're still not. sort of like. But this has got. But kind of
1: the point I suppose
0: is that this is kind of the punk I do like. Like I don't know television that's probably not, they're not yeah. punk, are they really, no, was, like it's got, yeah, it's got something else to it, yeah. yeah. and this is like, like you say, it's like a pop Power song, from, isn't it? There's yeah. Yeah. It? a kind it's of psychedelic element yeah. of it. It reminded me of, you know, the Hendrix song "Boulder's Love, yeah. like it, there's a bit in it where it's sort of, I don't know, it almost it takes the same turn at, at one point, um, but I just think it's like, you just put it on and it's just like an undeniable banger.
1: Yeah, it's one of those songs like, um, I'm trying to think of another punk song like like um. Ever fallen over the girl? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's that um, thing of
2: like it's a punk song, but you can imagine your friends who would not do yeah. a punk sort of like going, "Well, this is yeah. you know,"
1: or teenage kid or something, right? Yeah, so yeah. songs that are like they could have been released easily could have been released five or ten years before that. It would have sounded a little bit different, but the thing of punk just gives them a buoyancy yeah. and a charge, and so they're not really punk in the sense of like destroying or or even criticizing anything. But they they've just got the energy infusion, which gives them a slightly different feel and kind of a life. Set. And there's
2: also the thing of like punk as a phenomenon became commercialized very quickly. So suddenly tracks like this go to record companies. They're like, oh yes, yeah, exactly, we need to yeah. get this out now yeah. <laughs> because this is very much you know of the moment. Yeah. There's an interesting thing I read about the sort of the meaning of the song and like you know the traditional thing is that it's about drugs. People are ill was I don't know his current situation but was a a massive drug user and the idea of like this song alluding to sort of cosmic uh, entanglement Um, but I read a thing where Tim Wheeler from Ash said uh, he heard it and then, oh, it's about meeting a woman yeah. on another planet. And then read a thing where he's like, oh no, it's about drugs, it never even goes to me. And but Girl I'm from, from Mars! We listened and went, Legs, we can do Girl from Mars. It's not a
1: ripoff of <laughs> Another Girl on Another Planet. It's the first song about love loving a girl from Mars. But isn't Girl from Mars about Academy. What?
0: <laughs> uh, track 6 Mystique Scandalous.
1: So, so, so scandalous. Uh, 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 uh,
2: uh-huh. <laughs> you know you wanna sing with us <laughs> uh-huh. That's why you know you should be scared of us <laughs> uh-huh. You know you wanna sing with us <laughs> uh-huh. That's why you know you should be scared of us.
0: Nasdaq looks to again. Uh-huh. Straight talk, sex appeal. Uh-huh. One touch gives me chills Woo-hoo. and we Uh, Number two hit in March of 2003, Steve? Yeah, my choice again, Mm. because Sue
2: Elise Nash is from Dulwich, which I never realised. Yeah, Lakeisha Lakeisha
0: said Norwood. Right, because if it, you've got to remember these things it's going to be the birthplace isn't it so yeah. when Pete her at Camberwell probably Kingsford Hospital, right. not necessarily it could but be knowledge could be knowledge couldn't it yeah. but you reckon she was she's from Norwood and she she used to go dancing with her friend oh
1: right where yeah. is Alicia Dixon from is she from, the, from? she's no, from Welling way. Garden City yeah she's got the sort
0: of she's I mean not saying she's the hottest yeah she is but <laughs> um, <laughs> She's, yeah, she's like stunning, but um, but her voice is when when you think of Mystique you think you know. I think of her voice rather than the other. Well, that's young the thing; we, we,
1: she, we, we it's all her. She's the character in this. The, the she she brings the character right. Yeah,
2: well, we're, we're looking. I, I sort of read this first before, and I know Scandalous, but I'd never sort of listened to it closely. So, so I. It's like oh, so, so and I Then I was like looking at the fact I was trying to work out which of I know who Alicia Dixon is, but I was like which of the other two is Sue Elise Nash. I worked mm-hmm. out and I watched a video and like does she she doesn't sing like you have. And then I was reading like she does backing vocals, so she's very much like you know the the third person in uh,
0: the, this of thing. the trio. It's three of them. Right? Yeah, right. yeah.
2: But the, the interesting thing as well was then I went down not a rabbit hole, but. I was like, oh, was this a you know, was this someone in England deciding to do Destiny's Child and like you know they went through various sort of iterations of a band and like obviously um, it's post Spice Girls, so there's a lot of like things in the air. But then um, sort of like Destiny's Child are sort of like um, around and, and they're basically formed by a sort of producer, agent, manager type. So It's a very sort of cynical thing of I think you know let's do a British. Destiny's Child with a bit of Spice Girls with a bit of other... There's a lot of girl bands at the time, isn't it? But then it sort of seems to crystallise around 1999 and they sort of launch as the first series of Pop Idol starts. Yeah. And it's the sort of thing where, looking back, I Pop think starts. I would have... Maybe, yeah. Sorry, yeah. But I think I would have, like without looking closely, maybe just assumed... If someone had said to me, um, Mystique came out of one of those shows, I'd have gone, yeah, possibly, because that sort of... Packaged
1: pop things. I, I, I like I'm like a completely up? different yeah. type oh, really? I really I mean,
0: I watch Pop Stars every week, so I know exactly who came out of it. You know I, mean? <laughs> I know exactly. Darius right, Dinesh.
1: But he, was, he came back and did Pop Idol yeah. and came third in Pop Idol. Yeah, but he, I mean, he was, he was originally Star, yeah, really, yeah. his yeah. famous Britney audition.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. That was so a sort, of, sort of
1: No, no, well, okay, I, I see where you're coming the from, absolutely. But to me, Mystique, at the time, I really liked them, particularly Why and this track. Um, and I felt like I feel like the touchstones are not girl groups but are Oxide Neutrino and so Solid Crew because of the sound. The sound of the music is m- much tougher, it's much more in the garage world to me than certainly this track. Yeah, it's got all that kind the of Alicia sonic Dixon feel, and as well. Alicia yeah. Dixon, yeah, it's a hardness yeah, yeah. to it. So, like, not just in the fact that it's a black group, unlike Spice Girls or. Whoever, uh, Group Exactly. It's not, it's not that so much as um, the, the kind of garage, kind of oxide neutrino kind of feel which you get from a track like this. So I remember at the time thinking, oh, they're really, really good. I never felt like they were manufactured, I never felt like any of that was going on. But of course, they were working with teams of producers, as all pop esque acts did at the time. But what was interesting to me about them was that, like other acts, I'll think of some in a moment. They, there are this weird midpoint between the pop mainstream and the pop underground. I suppose So Solid Crew is a good example. Mm, Sugar Babes are no, they're in a di- yeah, in a way, but they're in a different part of that. In a way, but definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, in a diff- they're, they're doing that as well. Like they're underground and mainstream, but they're in a kind of slightly more indie underground. Whereas this is in a more kind of hip hop underground, if you like. Mm. Um, so, like a band like Mystique to me are like Slow Solid Crew. They they have one foot in the world of uh, uh, two-step beats, uh, cutting synth sounds and hard-edge raps, and then another foot in the world of, yeah, we are a girl group and we're going to do choreographed dancing, the videos, and so on. So, like, it invokes something very different to me to the Spice Girls or Atomic Kitten. And I hope it's not just because it's a black group and I'm trying to rationalise something No, around. I think what you said musically, it definitely mm. has more in common, what yeah. like you say. And I, I think
0: like you both said, about Alicia Dixon's voice, I mean, that just seems like the least manufactured... I know, and I was into. astonished
1: where she went to. Like, yeah. not nothing's nothing wrong with being a judge on uh, Strictly Come Dancing or Britain's Got Talent, but she felt like she had something musically to contribute. And she did do a couple of good solo records. Um, she had a, really, a couple of really good tracks. Um, but, um, yeah, she kind of just gave up music, it, it seems. Well, I think, what, similar to Faithful's
2: my sort of initial bracket in of it was based on not really paying attention like I'd heard this song but never listened to it in the sense of like oh yeah as you say her voice on it is fantastic and it is um, it's a really enjoyable song isn't it yeah um, incredibly source video one of it? the
1: best of the 21st century this song right yeah. <laughs> I've always I've always called back to that song like we, we scandalous scandalous I'm glad I chose so, it, so, it so, so scandalous oh it's yeah. monumental it's right, like right, independent right. woman for the UK like yeah it's incredible
0: it's, you don't impress me much for the garage <laughs> generation. <laughs> <laughs> so you're proud here.
2: <laughs> this song ends up being used uh, as like the key track on the soundtrack for the Halle Berry uh, Catwoman uh, film. It's supposed to be a Britney Spears really? song, but she broke her kneecap. Oh. Um, uh, and then, and right. they went, oh, let's get Scandalous by. Yeah. Uh, so, this, you know, I've not seen the Catwoman film, but immediately we you know this is the best thing yeah. to do with that Catwoman wasn't it? Because it was. Uh,
1: and that, that must be how, because I think this, I was reading it, broke through a little bit in America, this track. So maybe you can imagine it. that, can't you? Yeah, me? oh yeah.
2: You can sort of see why people would. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Track seven is A.M.M. by glandulosa. glandulosa. And so how they dance... June 1966 I don't know why I've been so specific <laughs> well Stephen you better sort of lead, lead us through this one I think anyone who,
2: who clicks through and listens to the track will sort of go this is the Stephen Graham yeah. this, is, this was chosen by uh, you know uh, a musicologist and indeed a co-head of music this is someone who has to be working at advanced levels
1: oh no no none of this this is more accessible than anything else this is just sound this is the but The Scandalous world. by this is this yeah. is way more accessible yeah, than I'm Scandalous gonna, I'm
2: going to make um uh the complete opposite argument within the next two tracks. But okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. No,
1: okay. So I, I wanted to say a lot of things, but let me just start with that because "Mystique Scandalous" requires you to have such um, fluency with like a specific pop idiom and a specific cultural moment in time. All this track requires you to have is ears, ears, and yeah, a functioning nervous system. Um, yes there's a big barrier up there's a, there's a huge barrier up of what the hell's going on here but if you open that door and just, or collapse that barrier get through and just go okay let me open myself up to the world around me then I think you get a lot in this let me backtrack a little bit AMM are, well actually Gavin Barr was a useful thing to start out with because they're not, they're not in completely distinct worlds they're, they're both in that kind of experimental music scene in London and uh, England at the time in the 60s uh, there is a lot written about that period. It's if you know the Beatles, you'll know that McCartney was moving in sort of similar circles. And um, there was gigs at places like the Roundhouse that International Times were putting on. Groups sort of like AMM were were participating in those things. So you get maybe a Stockhausen thing, you get AMM, you get um, McCartney up in the crowd watching. You get like Yoko Ono doing, doing something crazy. You'd get. Um, Why didn't
0: they get on better, Yoko and Paul? <laughs> oh, no.
1: That's another they, were the more, they were the more natural partners <laughs> I in the, uh, the
2: interesting thing were they were talking about McCartney going to an AMM gig and talking to the band afterwards and uh, he said uh, something along the lines of uh, Lennon would think you Charlotte. like Charlotte's. Would, like, Lennon wouldn't have Yeah, yeah, him, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, And then he put out Two Virgins, yeah? yeah well, well yeah, that's the that's whole famous thing of McCartney was the real experimentalist, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, in, in the sense that he was going along and moving in these circles, he absolutely was. So there's this really interesting moment in the 60s where pop and the experimental kind of underground are, are absolutely coming together. And you get groups like Soft Machine who are explicitly kind of in both worlds. AMM are obviously an ex- Sort of even within the experimental world, they're quite extreme because they're making music which is purely improvised. So it becomes later on it becomes known as free improv. At the time it would have just been known as kind of well, 66, not quite, but kind of 68, 69, it would have started to be called kind of free music, um, improvised music, kind of post free jazz um, sound. So it's it's that kind of like everyone's in the room together, no one's prepared anything all you have to go on is your own kind of musical and philosophical kind of inspiration and then you kind of make the music so they emerge they make what's called laminal laminal improv or what came to be called laminal improv that contrasts with your Derek Bailey uh, and other people who are and you know um names uh Steve
2: I know there's one guy and the first letter of his first name and the first letter of his second name starts with the same
1: letter but I can't think who it is yeah Pete Perrett. <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot of people and I'm just drawing a blank but this is an area I've written about a lot Gavin Bryce Gavin Bryce yeah exactly <laughs> um, but you know Tony Oxley other people uh, who make much more fragmented improv. So there's two schools of improv basically laminal, which is everyone's playing together, you can't really distinguish individual voices, and then the Derek Bailey school, where it's, you can hear kind of soloistic kind of gestures and so on. Um, they're both kind of counter to each other, so there's a bit of conflict between these two schools. There's a lot of kind of political to and fro within AMM, even. They end up splitting up because there's this radical kind of Maoist wing that just i think that was my favorite thing i learned reading it's oh, a like, Maoist schism it oh, there... i read it's back brilliant. i was doing an article last year on um kind of underground uh, independent music publishing in the 60s and 70s so i was reading things like international times and then later on magazines like musics and uh, microphone and other things and in the pages of those magazines in the late 60s and 70s you get like you, this kind of conflict plays out so you get letters and in particular, there's a concert review by Keith Rowe, who's the guitarist in AMM, and he he reviews a John Cage concert in the Albert Hall. And for him, this is just the epitome of, of like corrupt Western musician. John Cage, like, who's already really extreme. and He's saying, no, 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 this is like too commercial, too accessible. And what we need is a Pop. kind of a hardline Maoist, yeah. So, and then that that causes AMM to split. Anyway, that's a lot of the kind of gossip and scuttlebutt around AMM. What's interesting about them to me is just, as I said at the beginning. They're making sounds and music which open you up a little bit to the unconscious, and that's why I like them.
2: Well, the thing, my sort of way into it was, I think uh, my initial listening, I was like, oh, this is like, it's hard work, because my sort of taking, I was like, what am I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Like, we've talked to you before about listening to classical music, and you're always like, you know, you find a phrase and you sort mm. of attach yourself to that. And I always like talking to you about music because I think you do sort of make it more accessible and give us a way into things. Uh, but with this, I sort of, so I listened to it through, and I was like... Really got any sort of angle on this, and then I was reading about them. Um, there was this thing where they were talking about the purpose of what they were doing was inquiry. It was it was about sort of, and I was like, oh. And then sort of listening to it again. I was like, okay. And and then you know, as with most things, and like I'm sure I've done previous episodes, I take it back to the full where. Like no, I, I never mention the fall. <laughs> I, I love the fall, and my thing with the fall is, even if there are tracks, I don't necessarily enjoy I can see them as necessary to they, their sort of greater musical progression. Like they kind of had to make every sound they made to make all the other sounds, and it's I guess a similar thing with this. It's not necessarily the music in and of itself. It's them sort of discovering new things about how music works and how sound works to sort of. Up
1: to. yeah and they often get described in terms of what's called kind of social aesthetics so the whole idea was that there was no hierarchy within the sounds there was no one instrument or one sound more important than the others I mean that's that's a little bit of hogwash it's a bit of myth around this kind of music because there's still personalities which are dominant and there's still interpersonal struggles and like little micro aggressions and micro kind of hierarchies so get, it, it gets described in very utopian terms and I don't think that's kind of realistic But at the same time, there is something to the fact that they are all making sound and there isn't really a clear delineation of foreground and background, for example. There isn't really a clear sense of someone is soloing or not, which you still get in free jazz. You know, So free jazz, I always think the difference between free jazz and free improv like this is that free jazz is like, it's like, it's still got a lot of jigsaw pieces, which they don't quite fit together, but they're still jigsaw pieces. This is not jigsaw pieces. This is Complete, like some of them are jigsaw pieces, and some of them are books, and some of them are like Play the stars and With, whatever.
2: From, from my limit, I'm to jazz. Like a lot of the sort of experimental stuff is still sort of explorations of scale, isn't it? It's still yeah, exactly. like a framework yeah, yeah. still. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. This is completely different. But the, th- the reason I'm saying this is very accessible to me is because it it just. Once, so yeah, I've said before in the past that if you listen to classical music and you don't know, you don't have a way in. Because that's what you need with music. You need some kind of a narrative entry point where you go, I know what's happening here. Oh, here's a verse, here's a chorus, whatever. It might be structural, it might be sonic, it might be philosophical, whatever. So you found a way in there, I suppose, at AMM. It's kind of a philosophical one about, like, it's about, you know, exploration and so on. To me, this one, like, just musically and structurally, it's not so much about going... What's repeating? It's the kind of the opposite about that. You go, well, there's no repetition here, so what is the logic? Is there a logic? Um, I suppose that's for everyone to kind of decide, but to me, the logic is, moment by moment, there's an organic conversation and conflict happening between the sounds. And yes, the sounds are tied to specific people making them, but they get kind of freed up from those people and it becomes about like an organic dialectic, if you like, of sounds. So when you actually tune in, And I spend a bit of time with improvised music. You start to operate in a different wavelength in terms of how sound works. And it does become a much more um, intuitive David Lynch type process. Where you're watching something like Episode 8 of Twin Peaks. And you go, I don't know what the logic is. But there's something deep happening here in my unconscious, in my body. And I'm tuning into it in some weird way. And I would struggle to verbalize it, but I'm there. And something similar to me happens with with something like this. You might have got it in like a five minute snatch. But you spend a bit of time with them and with acts like them, I think you do start to tune into that.
2: Well, the other thing I found interesting was, like, again, just reading about general, generally, the general principle of, like, you know, never rehearse, never discuss. There's never preparation before beforehand. there's never any sort of debrief afterwards. But then, as, again, listening to it again with that in mind, as you say, I think there's, a, you know, the dynamic of them improvising as a group. Like, it's one thing for someone to be on a piano and experiment with different sort of things, or with a guitar or with a particular instrument. But with this, they're exploring, but they're not exploring on their own. There's no way you can be playing in a group like and not hear something and sort of go, oh, that's sort of, you know, yeah, you you're going to be constantly... And that was really fascinating to me, just that idea of... I'm not a musician, I have no sort of musical ability, but the idea of being on this journey, but you're not alone. You've got other voices around you and you can't help, I think, as a human not to respond. To yeah, yeah, yeah. You can change tempo and pitch just to sort of, like, see what that would do.
1: Yeah, um, but I, I know we've talked about this for a while. I'll start now, but the interesting thing there is you said you, you're not a musician you've no musical ability you could have been an AMM so could you I could that's yeah, the point that's, it's like yeah. it's opening creativity up we could Stephen maybe but still <laughs> well we maracas yeah one guy he's I'm the trying, best of AMM
2: triangle
0: AMM ding. <laughs> but that he the flavour flavour but that, that, be is, flavor, flavor, but that would AMM. be a thing that's that that the magic thing. thing
1: though of this it's like it takes the it, it, it's, it refuses that kind of Art, the kind of uh, institutionalisation of art which says that creativity is only something that is available to certain people everyone is creative everyone plays as a child and you lose that when you're socialised so it's returning you to a playing place an unconscious place and that's the kind of power of it. you can start to go oh I do have something to contribute it doesn't really matter if it's good or not but if it this is going to sound a bit cliche but like, if it makes me feel a certain way Great, let's do it. So we could do, we could do an AMM performance right now or an AMM-like performance for five minutes. And get, you might spend... Kevin Contney on the phone. But this thing, you might spend four minutes going, what are we doing? Or you yeah. might the whole time, but you might click in at a certain yeah. point and go, oh, there's something happening here. Yeah. That's the magic of it. And what's the best type of drugs for that? <laughs> That's the thing. It's, it's Again, this is a cliche, but it's like drugs is a distorted version of the unconscious that you get through AMM. AMM and other David Lynch... They are tuning you into the cosmic awareness that drugs give you, but only give you in a distorted kind of almost violent way. This actually tunes you in in a very organic, natural way. I think. Just a small bit of admin.
2: Uh, Eddie Provost is Prevost. Preman. Oh, pre. <laughs> 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 I've never, never met him. Uh, Eddie Eddie is the member of AMM who is born in Bermondsey, um, but you know, for our purposes, what he's is the only constant member of the band obviously various Maoist uprisings and uh leave-ins but um yeah in all the well he's the guy who sort of and set up the sort of record label to distribute their stuff as well yeah he's
1: great he's he's often around Goldsmiths I interviewed Um, him for my my book um yeah nice guy
2: um just a couple other little bits as well uh just reading about their performances um and it's just like interesting reading people's responses to it and their response to people. So for a while, they had a guy called, or a, a guy called Steve Lacy is performing, with him, and he's asked to leave because I think he's either too too jazzy. Yeah, he's like he's like it's far too tuneful for their liking, so they're like you better go. Um, and then Ornette Coleman goes to a show and is asked to leave because uh, they want not stop talking or something. In the show. Uh, and then uh, again, the McCartney thing. There was a great, there was a great comment on. Um, the YouTube clip for this video where at the bottom someone said, uh, Paul McCartney used to go and see him. How can you listen to this? And I'm like, Obladee Obladee. And I was like, what, nonsense? <laughs> like, nonsense. I, like, if you say, I want, you, I, want, you know, yeah. uh, I want to hold your hand, but Obladee Oblad" yeah, is okay. clearly a man who has listened to some free, free improvisation, isn't it? That's also... That's true, though. Yeah, absolutely. You can imagine him sort of like going, you know he's making sounds yeah. is, you yeah, know, yeah, he's yeah. improvising yeah. Um, but there's uh, you know McCartney I think we went to him a few times and was once asked um, what they were like and he said they
1: play too long
2: <laughs> which I yeah, liked it but yeah, just yeah, sort of
1: yeah. through off yeah. of that well, I often think that improv gigs right. I always get, like, get 20 minutes and I go this is great and then it goes on yeah. I know. But and you sort
0: of go lads yeah.
2: but that's the hard that, thing because <laughs> it's about discovery and inquiry they can't sort of go who knows what the next five minutes brings It's sort of you know yeah,
0: who thing. knows where the time goes <laughs> track eight is kero kero Benito flamingo
1: how many shrimps do you have to eat before you make your skin turn pink eat too much and you'll get sick shrimps are pretty rich <laughs> なんであいつらはピンク? So right In fact, Black, white, green, or blue Show off your natural hue flamingo. oh, 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 oh If
0: you're
1: multi that's cool too
2: See, the argument I was going to make to your earlier point was, I was like, you know, the thing about music is, this, this is very direct, but your point about AMM makes much more sense in terms of being direct, because you say, even with this, you still, to appreciate it fully, you still need to have... Verbal understanding of what a flamingo is and what it looks like. So yeah, you've completely undercut uh, my my major point about these two tracks. Um, oh Another one of your choices. These, in terms of the yeah. acts, but then I chose the song. Yeah. Because once I heard this song, there was no way we weren't going to talk about Flamingo by Cara Benito Well, there's a lot of
1: Kira Benito songs that you could say that about. They've got so many songs that you just think this is ludicrous. This yeah. is great. Yeah, they um, I wanted to pick them because uh, being a fan of those for a few years, one of their members was one of my former students here um gus he was a student in the department i think 2012 2013 anyway uh they're sort of in the pc music world the kind of hyper real pop world but not quite like they it's very glossy it's very bright it's very cartoonish um but it's a little bit less intensely bright as the pc music thing because you know pc music it's all about like Pop, but it's so pop that it's, it goes beyond pop. Who are the big like, PC music? Well, they've, done, they've recently gone. Was oh, that name of the band? PC Music is kind of the label and the movement. Oh, okay, right. And uh, they've recently gone a bit mainstream, so they've done stuff with uh, Charlie XCX and other people. But Sophie's probably one of the main acts. Um, no, they're great. Right. Hannah Diamond. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really insanely, uh, kind of parodically uh, glossy pop music. So like you watch the video. Yeah, it's, sort videos of bright neon, yeah, it's like it's it it's like post postmodern. It's so it's so over the top and it's like it's surreal, surreally pop. It's like more pop than pop. Um, so Kira Pierre Benito are like are kind of in that world because it is so childlike and kind of simple that you kind of think there must be something else going on here. But it's just about kind of normalized enough that it's just it ends up a lot of it being just like bright pop music. Um, I went to see them a couple of times live. A lot of their early stuff is like Flamingo. It's just it's very hooked around a very kitsch, simple, cutesy little uh, vocal phrase. Um, They have been accused, certainly in my head, they've been accused of (laughs) cultural appropriation because it's two white British guys, a kind of half-Japanese lady who's the kind of front woman of the band. And even their name, Kira Kira Benito, on some of the the tracks, they're something kind of cod Japanese, or well, actual Japanese, but it feels a bit like, Quasi-like. Well, the,
2: the my sort of take on it was the first thing that came to mind for me was the phrase "Kawaii," which is that yeah. Japanese like, yeah exactly yeah, But yeah. as you say, like, hyper cuteness is like that particular area of Tokyo where people are just like cosplaying all the time and just having you know incredible hairdos yeah. like, and outfits to sort of express that. And I, I thought that's what this was. And I I'll tell you what, you mean about cultural appropriation is a similar sort of discussion um, in comics where you get manga creators from around the world who aren't Japanese mm. and there's a thing of like can you make manga if you are not Japanese yeah. and particularly drawing in that sort of
1: yeah can you make yeah. J-pop if you're only you know one quarter Japanese right but right. what, complicates it? well yeah probably white yeah. man's reggae club <laughs> but also there's a the thing of like can blue man sing the
2: just, just commercially how are you going to make uh, <laughs> Music, I said, if you're not planning to sell it to Japan that's your big market <laughs> that's when you yeah. uh, do the tours
1: but I actually was surprised because I have slightly lost track of them in the last year or two but then uh, Flamingo at this point has 37 million views on YouTube I couldn't believe it are, minor, reckon, like, they're, they're quite, quite it. niche like I saw them uh, once and there was like 100 people there Like they're cultish but like fairly niche so they're fairly mainstream do you get
2: paid off uh, YouTube views I can't remember now. Is
1: there a license there is that? some money yeah, there. there's, there's music, a chart there as well is, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. it depends if you
0: have adverts as well doesn't yeah. it? Right, right. it depends who's put it up but I think for music you'd basically do it yeah, yeah. but 37 million is, yeah.
1: it's big but yeah, yeah. but their recent music seems to have gone a little bit darker and noisier the last year too, but Flamingo is not that no Flamingo like there's another track called Sick Beat um, they've got loads of really funny tracks that you listen to and they're just well, they're just is, delightful you know oh, I mean you know
2: the obvious sort of uh, cultural touchstone. My initial response was like sort of Mighty Boosh, flight of the concords, that sort of comedy pop. Yeah, because uh, so, it's just like pure pop, isn't it? It's like it's like sugar rush of yeah, uh, sort of sound. And the video is just like you know a flashing uh, prawn. Yeah, <laughs> all different colours. Did you like
0: this? Nah, didn't enjoy it at all. Really? From I know within a second. Really? <laughs> I know a second. Say t- what's the opening line? something it's like talking to the flamingo immediately yeah. he? hey flamingo uh, yes from then from yeah, the second yeah. word do you
1: just think two kitchen cute?
0: yeah I suppose it just didn't connect to it do you know what I mean it's like it wasn't uh I wasn't even analysing why I didn't mm-hmm. like it. Do you know what I mean? I just did, and I listened to it again. And said, it's oh, interesting, yes, isn't it?
2: Like I had a complete again. opposite reaction from, mm. the, from yeah. the first moment. I was like, "What is this?" And that was my thing. I, 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 you I, love
0: novelty records, do you? I do.
2: Yeah, but like, yeah, if, 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 you, if you look at the transcripts of our exchanging messages about this, I was like, "We do flamingo, please." I was like, I jumped in. I was like, "I really want to talk about this because I think it is uh, so much fun." I, I went so far as to. Um, record a cover no, to, uh, to in google. amm
0: style <laughs>
2: go to google just to prove there's not anyone could be uh, an amm
1: <laughs> well amm had a transistor radio in the background we could have flamingo in the background we could just improvise the top of it
2: <laughs> um yeah I, I went as far as to uh pop the japanese lyrics into google translate to get the english translation um and uh yeah verse two is uh if a, crane's te- uh, if a crane's tail bends downwards, that would be a flamingo. It's ambiguous, but interesting, right? In a world dyed in a rainbow colour, in today too, somewhere on earth, flamingos are munching shrimps. Let's dye in pink colour, f- fellow flamingos. And like, the, what, one of the things I love about uh, Google Translate, of course, is the fact that uh, it's never an exact uh, translation. Um, the other verse, uh, why are they pink? I thought of that pink in the zoo. It's the food, that's Right. Actually, I like Tarako. Let's say you with shrimps and crab. Will I change to a pink colour? Therefore, we are all different in colour. Humans are misunderstood. (laughs) Like, I was... Everything I learnt about this song, I was like, this is wonderful, isn't it? Only 37 million views.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Does that make you like it anymore? Less.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe, leave comments. Uh, We're at holdfastnetwork.com. Use the Amazon link on southlandhardcore.com. We'll get a little bit of money to keep hosting the shows, although I don't expect too many more uh, anytime soon. Stephen, is there any way we could end the show with uh, you hitting the gong? (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna rain, it's gonna rain after all.